it had really been fun if I'd been in California and she would have been preaching here. But Pat, Patty want you to raise your hand. Somebody said, did you drive far coming up here? I said, no. My um, heart doctor said, if we're together, she's the drive. If I'm by myself, I can drive. It's like, you can kill yourself, but I'd hate for you to kill your wife. When that first came down, I'm thinking, that's a pits man. But it's not so bad. I uh, just lay my seat back and take a nap going home and do my part to keep her awake with my snoring. <laughs> How many of you were not here the last time I spoke? I guess we'll give an altar call in a little bit and you can come. You may want to come twice. How many of you would like to have some fun tonight? You just remember as I get the introduction, it's just for fun. Especially if you happen to be a cat lover. Remember it's just for fun. I am not a cat lover. <laughs> to me, kittens are cute. Cats ought to be put out of their misery. <laughs> I think they're demon-possessed. We've had several dogs, but one cat. My wife has a big old basket of, what do you call that? Baby's breath. She's coming down the stairs and the baby's breath was moving. That cat got in that basket. And uh, so she agrees her demon possessed. We're going to be in Luke chapter 10 tonight. I said this where I was preaching two weeks ago on a Sunday night um, about three years ago, four years ago I spent the best part of my uh, year studying parables and um, it's amazing what is there when you're really interested in in learning what God has said. Uh, I spoke a week, two weeks ago Sunday night on the prodigal son and some things that were unexpected by him. Tonight I want to talk about your possessions, how you perceive your possessions. You know, I, I'll leave here, my wife will drive, I'll take a nap going home. 
And, uh, but when we get there, we'll go into a warm house. And if we want it warm, we just go to the wall and turn the thermostat up a little bit. If we want it cooler, which is good when you're sleeping, turn it down a little bit. You know, with all he had, David, King David didn't have that. King Solomon, he may have had a lot of gold, but it was cold gold in the winter, one warm gold. So um, let me start by taking you to the internet just for a little bit as we talk about perspective on your possessions. We see things not as they are, but as we are. So, well, I was here last time you spoke. I remember the voice, but I don't remember what you talked about. I had three chairs set up here, and we had young people that sat on the first three rows. I noticed nobody was sitting on the front row tonight. I don't know if I changed that last time I was here, but man, they got a dose of it. Rarely do I get to preach that close to the young people. Perspective. How you view what you have. A couple years ago, we were just visiting another church. Both of my daughters and their families were there. We took our um, Christmas picture there. They were going one direction. I had to teach the next day at IBC, so I said, you know, I think I can get a ride with one of the students that are here. So a guy really didn't know. I said, you're an IBC student, aren't you? And he goes, yes, sir, I am. I look older than I am. That's why he called me, sir. I am over 20, <laughs> but that's the wrong time to laugh. <laughs> Remember, it's not my church. I won't be here Sunday. I can keep you as long as I want to. As Brother McNair, I said, when should I be done? He said, when they start leaving, you're done. <laughs> so I'll keep that in mind. Perspective. Remember, we're here for some fun. Okay? How many of you are dog lovers? How many of you are cat lovers and are willing to admit it? God help you. 
Let me give you um, a day in the life of a dog um, from a dog's diary, 8 a.m. Dog food put in my bowl, my favorite thing. Nine o'clock, a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 9.30, a car ride, my favorite thing. 9.45, got petted and rubbed, my favorite thing. Noon, more dog food in my bowl, my favorite thing. 1 p.m., Played in the yard, my favorite thing. 3 p.m., wag my tail, my favorite thing. 5 o'clock, milk bones were given to me, my favorite thing. 7 p.m., got to play ball. My favorite thing. Eight o'clock, got to watch TV with people. My favorite thing. Eleven o'clock, went to bed. My favorite thing. Here's some excerpts from a cat's diary. <laughs> Day... 853 of my captivity. <laughs> my captors continued to taunt me by dangling shiny objects. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. It's all how you look at things. Perspective. I'm glad you're here tonight. I hope on your way home you'll be saying, I'm glad I went to church tonight, even if that guy did have a weird voice. And I just talked this way so you'll listen closer. <laughs> We're going to be looking tonight at a parable, unless you've been saved a very short time, you're very familiar with it. It is a parable told by our Savior. We refer to it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. Just to... Um, in case there's some of you not very familiar with it, to bring it in a real short span of time. It's about a guy going from one city to another in our vernacular weeds. They got rolled. The thieves got to him. They beat him up. In fact, verse 30 ends with the knowledge that they left him half dead. 
They robbed him. And then a Levite came by, and then a priest came by. And rather than getting too close to this guy, they went to the other side of the road and kept on going. Then a guy from Samaria, hence the name the Good Samaritan. A guy from Samaria came by, and instead of changing the sides of the road, he went over and began to take care of the man. That man needed more than he could do right there and then, so he took care of him, and then he took him to what we would call a motel told the owner there, the clerk there, that this man had been robbed. Gave him two pence, which is roughly 15 cents. Now, this was a long time ago when when I heard the next day he gave this um, shopkeeper 15 cents. I'm thinking, what a cheapskate. You know, Casey needs a Band-Aid. You can buy a really small Band-Aid for 15 cents. But I want to talk tonight about perspective on your possessions from this parable. Now, I will say very early in life, Spent my teenage years in Tulsa, was taught there by a guy that said that, and it just stuck with me, a parable is a heavenly story or an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And then I'm reading one day where the disciples of Christ asked him, why do you speak in parables? He said, because it's given for you to know, but not for them. I'm thinking, you know, I'd never heard that before. That's really what led into me going back and studying the parables. So let's go through this. By the way, you hopefully have some to write with and some to write on. I already told you I'm over 20. Memory starts to go. When I uh, first came to Suburban, if you're familiar with the Indiana Baptist College, you've been there. Suburban is a church right across the street from there. And uh, when I had first come to Suburban, I, um, I thought I'd spend the rest of my life there and probably will, but non-pastoring six years. I pastored there in 
stepped down because my voice was changing and in the midst of a business meeting that I was leading, we voted a new member in twice. And my brain just started shutting down. Uh, part of my, I had surgery that, oh, what? Oh, six. And about two years later, my voice got real hoarse. I mean, really hoarse. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. And they'd send me to one doctor and then another. And finally, they sent me to the head ENT doctor in Indianapolis. Happened to be a lady. And she said, are you willing to come back? And I said, I am. She said, we need to stick a camera down your throat. Well, we had just bought the smallest video camera we could find. It was about that big, and I'm thinking that she said that that is not going to work. <laughs> Thankfully, she had a camera a whole lot smaller than that. But I want to give you some principles tonight about how you see what you have. I told you about visiting a church and needing to get a ride back to IBC. And I said, you want to draw me off before you go back to the dorm? He goes, I don't live in the dorm. I live with my parents. It's like, oh. But he said it's right by the college. Well, I live about a half mile from the college. So he was going to take me to my house and drop me off. I got in the car. It stunk. There was stuff everywhere. I mean, everywhere by a lot. And on the way back, I said, so would you consider this your car, God's car? God's car? I said, he sure keeps a messy car. <laughs> so here's the first principle we want to look at. Um, from the robber's point of view, what's yours? is mine, and I'm going to take it. Now, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Hopefully, we don't have many robbers in here, but there's a little bit of that in all of us. How many of you work in the toddler nursery? All you have to do is watch them. If it looks like fun, one toddler thing, it's mine. 
If you're having fun, it's mine. If I see it, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. That's the mentality of the robbers that beat up this guy and left him half dead and took what he had. There is a second principle from the priests and the Levites that came by and rather than taking care of the man, they switched the side of the road they're walking on. But it is what What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. You know, a lot of us were raised that way. We're keepers. Someone was telling me before church about a guy that just hoarded what he had. We have programs on TV once in a while about hoarders. I knew a guy, he is uh, gone now, but he wasn't so much older than I was, but he would keep paper. I mean, you'd walk into his bedroom and newspapers and magazines were well above your head, and I'm thinking, what in the world? But he kept everything of paper that he could lay his hands on. And then the guy from Samaria came by. The one we called the Good Samaritan. And his perspective on possessions is this, what's mine is yours. And I'm going to share it. You know, I love Brother Merv, known for a long time, knew his pastor before his pastor pastored. When I first got to know Dan, he was taking dents out of cars. And so I go way back with him, go way back with Brother Merv. In fact, uh, boy, are you televising this on YouTube? <laughs> I think, I could be wrong, Brother Merv, you're watching this, but I think his best friend in the ministry is a guy named Bob Dickey, who was my assistant at one time. But in the amazing as Christ told this story, he wanted us to know they all told the same thing. The priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, all saw the same thing. They knew what was going on, all three of them. 
All three of them had a chance to help. But the priest and the Levite chose not to help. And I know that at the end of this, Christ has questioned now whose neighbor was this guy that was robbed. But coming back to your possession, how do you see what you have or wish I had? What yours is mine and I'm going to take it like the robbers or like the Levite and the priest. What's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. Or would you associate how you view what you have more like a Samaritan? What's mine is yours. And I'm going to share it. It's amazing how things can trigger thoughts in your head as prayer requests were taken. When I first came to Suburban, I probably had not been there but about a month, and our seniors were about to make their senior trip. They were going to London, England, and had several things. I said, let's pray for them. Among other things, they're going to do a VBS for the Mormons. Well, we supported missionaries named Mormon. They spelled it with tools. We had first-time visitors there. It's like, for the Mormons? And as I said that, I'm looking, I can see them looking at each other like, maybe this is not the church for us. I took a missionary out for lunch today. And... um, I was going to preach where he was at Sunday, and the guy called me and said, you know, one of our missionaries is going to be here. Could he speak? I said, fine with me. I remember the first time I spoke in that church. They had a lady, they had a couple older couple, their last name was Eddie. And I'm sitting there in Sunday school and they're taking prayer requests. And someone said, let's make sure we pray for Eddie's husband. I'm thinking, oh God, what have I got myself into now? And so after church, I asked one of them, and I said, what's the deal with Eddie's husband? Well, they told me how sick he was. I said, 
you know, that's not what I think about. How does Eddie have a husband? That seems to be an acceptable thing around here. And he laughed and he said, Eddie's her last name. She was there, but her husband was homesick. It's like, oh, thank you, Lord. You ever wonder what was going through the Levite's mind and the priest's mind? As they know, there's a guy that's been robbed. He's so weak, apparently couldn't stand up. Ever wonder what was going through their mind when they crossed the street and just kept on going? You know, if they would have stopped, it would have been an inconvenience. I don't know why they were going to the other city, but I'm going to guess they had a meeting or maybe family members there. They might be late for the meeting. They might miss a connection altogether. Taking care of this guy would have been a major inconvenience. But somewhere, the Samaritan had picked up the idea that his life would make a difference. You know, I don't know that it inconvenienced him any less than the Levite and the priest. But he wanted his life to make a difference. You know, there are times you wish God would have given you a little more information but I'm going to guess this, what we refer to as a good Samaritan, probably asked better questions to himself than the Levite and the priest. I think he probably said, if I don't stop, what's going to happen to this man? Well, Christ is just getting started with the story when he says they left him half dead. Probably he would have died. But I think the Samaritan even asks a better question, what will happen to me if I don't stop? You know, his heart got hard. He probably knew the day would come when he wouldn't care. Life was about him, not others. A typical Baptist way of thinking. 
the Samaritan, whether for this man or for himself, stopped and got involved, took care of the man, and then took him to what we would call a motel. The next day had to leave and left him there with the innkeeper and some money and this promise, if you spend more than this, remember he left about 15 cents. So, if they don't have any really tiny band-aids and you have to buy a big one, whatever you're out, when I come back, I'll pay you for it. This Samaritan, and again, it's a story. But this Samaritan made a difference in this man's life. Let me say this before we go on. If you want your life to make a difference, it'll take some inconvenience. We don't like inconvenience. I don't like inconvenience. But if my life is going to make a difference, I'm going to have to get used to being inconvenienced. I want to give you a fourth principle. You know, I've thought about this so much today. I'm so excited to give you this fourth principle. Sorry, I could quit now. And a lot of you would just be glad for the three principles I gave you. So this isn't for all of you, but it is for some of you. Here's the principle. What's mine is not mine, but I will manage it. You know, what the Bible tells us? The earth is the Lord's, and all they that live in it, that's me. Everything I have is his. Let me give it to you again. What's mine is not mine, but I will manage it. Because this missionary was going to speak where I thought I was going to speak Sunday, and I really didn't mind, I said to my wife, won't we go north? See, I'm not a native Hoosier. Live here now most of my life. I'm a native Oklahoman. 
But I said to my wife, who is one of seven kids, her mom and dad are both gone now, said, let's go up north and go to church up there. And we'll tell your brothers and sisters that we'd like to have lunch together and we'll see who we'll show. Well, they all showed. She's one of seven kids. They all showed. And their spouses, while one's divorced. But this long table conversations, I was right in the middle. Didn't know who to listen to. But I'm thinking, I'd sure like to buy lunch for everybody. But that would have cost a lot. What I need is for some of you people to give me $100. And then when we go up north again, I can buy. So if you want to give me under bucks, feel free. I'll be glad to take it off your hands. Very glad to take it off your hands. My um, wife's brothers and sisters will be glad I was at Lighthouse and you gave me $100. Isn't that just like an IBC student? A $100 bill. You're saying, man, that was sure quick. I didn't even have time to think about it. Well, take time and think about it. I'll wait. Some yarn a guilt up, I wish I'd given a hundred dollars. Not as much as I wish you'd have given me a hundred dollars. You know why he gave it to me? Because I had given it to him before church. <laughs> I said, are you trustworthy in Ohio? I am. I said, would you help me with an optic glass? And I'll provide $100 bills while his eyes start sparkling. I said, damn, all I really want is to get my $100 back. But do you get it? It was easy for him to give it because he knew it wasn't his. What's mine is not mine, but I will manage it. You know, God doesn't give you So your wallet can get fat. He gives through you. He wants to meet the needs of some of his kids 
through you. You know, we just come through the holiday season. Wonder how many shopping days are left till Christmas. But if you'd taken some have it mailed and the person that you mailed it to never called to say thanks, never sent a card that said thanks. So you finally asked them, are you using it? And they said, we didn't get it. And you went back to that guy you'd given it to, and he said, oh, it's for somebody else. I thought you were giving it to me. I wonder if God ever feels that way. Wanting to give through you, not to you. But we go back to only what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Here's the old American phrase, get all you can and can all you get. You know, this hundred dollars was easy for him to give to me because he knew it wasn't his. I was going to give him about five more seconds before I came down and started frisking him. <laughs> Said, well, why don't you just get to your wife? Because I would never now. <laughs> That's why. You know that cat we talked about at the first? She'd be smiling like a just a cat with my hundred dollars. Let me go back a little bit in the message and I won't keep you long. But we often think what we have is ours. You understand that when Christ told this story, he made sure that all three saw the same thing. They all had an opportunity, but only the Samaritan took it. No doubt you've had missionaries through here that have said, you know, if we only had it, you could have. But you didn't. Because if you did, that would really be an inconvenience. 
you know, we're so fortunate to have a Heavenly Father who can do anything, anything. It's not only that he can, but he will. He's promised to meet all our needs. And we have a hard time trusting him for some money. Would you bow your head just for a moment? In a few moments, we'll stand. We'll have an invitation him. The altar will be open. But before we ever stand, some of you need to tell God you're sorry for keeping everything that he ever gave you that he was trying to give through you. Before we go public with the invitation, maybe you need to tell him, I know what is mine is not really mine. And God will manage it for your honor and your glory. You know, we're so at ease making prayers like that, walking out the door and never thinking twice. Well, we said to a God who will never forget. So if you tell them tonight that you know what is yours, is not really yours, but you'll manage it for his honor and his glory. Trust him. When you see a need that he has equipped you to meet, would you stand just for a moment? Our song leader is going to lead us in the invitation. If you need to use the altar, you come quickly. We're not going to take a long.